We'd like to uh, welcome each of you to the uh, services this morning and especially our visitors. We have a, a number of visitors with us today and we are very thankful for your presence. We also, we also want to especially honor mothers on what we typically uh, uh, show as, our mother, as Mother's Day and we want to celebrate that with you guys today. And we've got a lesson from God's Word as we try to worship Him as well, that uh, is related to that subject of Mother's Day. And I've chosen, I, I thought, you know, maybe I could do a lesson on a specific someone that would be a, an edifying lesson. And I thought, well, maybe if we go back far enough, we could go back all the way to a time where we could find a common relative. And I found one. We go all the way back to Eve. You go back to Eve, that's all of our great, 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 however many greats are in there, grandmother. We all are a little bit familiar with her experience, but I'd like to maybe shed a little different light on it this morning. And it says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. That's found in Genesis chapter 3 and in verse number 30. And I'd like to start with this story, and I recognize right away that it's a little bit of a dangerous thing to start a celebration uh, to, to uh, bestow honor upon uh, the role of a mother by reading this particular story, but let's look at it. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, which was Eve, of course, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together to make aprons, uh, to make uh, themselves coverings. So we, we all remember this story of the, the initial sin of man. And it's real easy to say, well, it was Eve's fault. You know, Adam was there and he uh, hadn't sinned until this woman led him astray. So you could blame it all on her. But let's think about that a moment and, and consider, why was she vulnerable to sin? And I would submit that the same reasons that would make her vulnerable to sin were also some of the reasons that Adam was vulnerable to sin. First of all, you ever think about that? That this was the first. That Eve did not have a mother or anyone else that she could go and get wise counsel from for which to make this decision. There was no precedent. And we all recognize that, that things in life are much easier once they've been crossed and once they've been understood. You know, years ago there was a runner. They used to think that the four-minute mile could never be run. Do you know that? That, they, that it was said that if someone ever ran fast enough, 
to run a mile in less than four minutes, it, their heart would probably burst and they would die. But then after the first man achieved that and saw that it, and, and we found out that it was possible, then many, many after that have broken that, that particular time in the mile run. So this was a first. She had no one to advise her. We can look at some other people that had a little different experience. You know, Moses was a powerful leader, but he was also blessed with having a mother, although it was unusual circumstances, but she got to raise him and have a great influence on his life. What a blessing that was to Moses. And we can even think of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he also had that same blessing of having a mother that was, that was righteous, that tried to live correctly, that taught him, that gave him an environment that he could grow and, and be nurtured. And, and he, so he grew up in that environment. And we recognize that a, a mother's influence upon a person is incredibly powerful. Well, Eve didn't have that. The other thing that she didn't have is there was no godly example to follow. She couldn't even look around and see what somebody else might be doing. We know that that's a powerful influence on people's lives too. Paul told Timothy this, he said, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul recognized that in this young man Timothy that there was a heritage in his family of people who, who were close to the Lord, who were close to God. And he knew that his family was of faith, and he was persuaded that that nurturing environment would definitely be a huge influence on Timothy. We know that Eve did not have the blessing of that. And so mistakes were made. We recognize that Eve led Adam in the first her sin and then his sin. And so I would, I would say to the mothers, you have a tremendous impact on your families. Tremendous. And the tough part of that is that you may not know the extent of it. You may not see the fruit of it for many, many years. You know, a lot of times when, you, when you're raising a, a young child and and they're growing up, especially in those teenage years, you may feel like they're not listening. You may feel like every word you say and every deed you do, they don't see and they don't hear. But then as they become adults, usually they think back on those things. And the impact can be far more powerful than was first imagined. We know that she led Adam to the first sin... And, you know, the other thing about that we might think about is maybe, uh, you know, guys, we can't really keep up with stuff. Maybe she's the only one that remember where the tree was anyway. So uh, maybe that was part of the reason. And you can think of her impact on this first family. Now, again, she has two boys. What about her first family? Well, not that first family. This first family, Cain and Abel. She has two boys. She has two sons. And the first, and what happens? One murders the other. Now that's a pretty rough start. Think about that. I mean, she commits the first sin, and then 
her two first offsprings, one kills the other. That's a pretty shaky start. But again, no precedent. No one to, no one to give her advice on how to raise a family. She was pretty much winging it. But she had a second chance. And that's the part I want you to look at here this morning. That's why I had Michael read that whole genealogy. And we see that there are really two different families that Eve had. And one was, um, this is after a hundred, Adam was 130 years old. And it says, and Adam knew his wife again after a hundred, he was 130 years old. And she bore a son and named him Seth. And for God had appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and his name was Enosh. And so we see a, a second family to take shape from, um, from Eve. You know, I suspect that you can probably learn a lot in 130 years. Uh, I'll never find out. But in 130 years, you can probably, maybe, maybe she was able to look at the mistakes that she made with Cain and with Abel. And she was able to do better the second time because what we found is with her grandson Enosh, and after that, this statement comes into play. Then men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Now, I've, I read several different things about that and and I'm not exactly sure what all that entails, but I can, I can tell you that it's pretty obvious that at this point that men wanted to have a relationship with God that was, that was better and closer and different than they had had before. Some, some have suggested that at this time they, they really sought a relationship and that up until this point, if you think about the relationship between even uh, God and Adam and Eve, it was all God came and sought them out. It wasn't, it wasn't them seeking God out, it was God seeking them out. But then at this point in life, we see that, that with this grandson, Enosh, that men begin to call, they, try, they, seek, they sought a relationship with their God. And that was, that was much different. So perhaps Eve learned some great lessons from that first experience with, that, with, with Cain and with Abel. And so really we had two different families uh, that, that would go forth, and that was the one of Cain that really had no relationship with God. And then through Seth, men called on the name of the Lord. And in some, some commentaries said that that actually means that they went by the name of child of God. They were, instead of known as being a, just a son of man, they were a child of God. And that's, that's the way that they, they portrayed themselves because they sought a relationship with the Lord. Now, it doesn't take a lot of figuring to guess which one Jesus came through. Which, which of those two lines would you suspect that Jesus would come through? Well, pretty obvious uh, that he would come through Seth. And if you can look at the lineage that's found in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke, and I think about chapter 3, you'll see that that's true. That it's through Seth that, uh, that the Lord was born. And in fact, uh, there are none of Cain's descendants that are left on the earth. 
they, whatever ones continued to exist, would have been killed in the flood. And so we see that those that called on the name of the Lord would go forth. We find this passage in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 8. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament about your head and chains about your neck. You know, men go to great, men and women go to great extent to uh, lavish jewelry upon themselves and to, to look attractive through the use of this type of thing these ornaments and jewelry and chains and those kind of things. But this passage says that someone who lives according to the law of their mother and, and follows in that and is obedient to that, that is, that's like a, an ornament of grace that's around your neck. And not only will God see that, that other people will see that and they will recognize that as a thing that is very beautiful and very right. So let's look at a few things that might be a legacy worth living. And I found a few of these. I didn't take the whole passage because it's fairly long. But a few points from Proverbs chapter 31. Most of you will recognize that that's a description of the virtuous woman. And so we're going to look at a few things here. Strength and honor are her clothing. That when people see her, they will see someone that is strong in the faith. They will see someone that has great honor. In other words, they have a strong character. And they're passing that on to those that would be their children. They shall rejoice in time to come. They're not just, they're not just trying to uh, do what feels good in the moment and take care of the, the moment. But they're, they're thinking about the future and what tomorrow is going to bring. And, you know, sometimes some of the conversations that you have to have with your children are not always pleasant, are they? They're not always the kind of conversation that you would enjoy having. And yet you recognize that you do that because you love them. And you're not as concerned about today as you are concerned about tomorrow and next year and the year after that. And as they become adults. So she rejoices in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. She chooses her words very carefully. She doesn't just pop off and say thank, the first thing that's in, that comes in her mind, but she thinks it through and she speaks words of wisdom that will be a blessing to her family. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. There are times for rebuke, but it has to be done with a loving heart. There are ways that you can discipline people, you can discipline children, but if you don't do it with love and with kindness, then it's usually not very effective. And that's not to say that there's not a time for rebuke, because clearly there is. But the question is, is where is your heart when that occurs? The virtuous woman her tongue is in the law, uh, is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household. She is in tune to what her family needs. And she, she nurtures those every need. She does not eat of the bread of idleness. She doesn't waste time. 
She's always thinking about the business of her family and the business of her household. She doesn't waste her time. Her children rise up and call her blessed. The word blessed here means to be to be happy, to be prosperous. So her children will call her blessed. And that's and something else like we talked about earlier, that might not be that day. <laughs> that might be something that happens as they become adults themselves and begin to go through parenthood themselves. Her husband also, and he praises her. And guys, that's something else that we need to think about is to be thankful for your mom. To be thankful for your wife and the influence that those people have in your life. Because they're incredibly powerful. And give them thanks and give them praise for what they do for you. There's so many things that they do for us daily. And if we're not careful, we'll take those things for granted. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. We all recognize that there's a time, an age, that, that the natural physical beauty of a woman may begin to pass. But the woman who fears the Lord shall be praised, not just in the time of their youth, but even when they become older. And let her own works praise her in the gates. The things that she does, people know. In other words, within the city, within the community, people recognize what she does for her family. And those things serve as as an establishment of her character. So let's just real quickly look at implications for mothers. Number one, you have more influence than you think. Again, sometimes you may think that these kids are not listening, but they're listening. You think these kids are not watching, but they're watching. And 10 or 15 years down the road, they're going to think about and they're going to recall, well, my mom did this, or my mom did that, or she used to say this, or she used to say that. It's, I grew up, many of you know, I grew up a Baptist. And I learned better. But one thing my mom did is she took me to church from a very young age. And she taught me to appreciate God. And to understand that there was a power in a God that was above us. And that influence is more powerful than we can imagine. Number two. Your works are often more powerful than your words. Just the things that you do every day are noticed and will be appreciated down the road. And finally, take some time to share from your experiences. The world really is not that much different than it was 30 years ago or 40 years ago or even 60 years ago or even 2,000 years ago, growing up and making a life for oneself is more alike today than it is different. Yes, of course there's things different. Technology is different, transportation, all those things are different. But we still have to make a life for ourselves. We still have to set priorities in our lives. 
And so life is very much the same as it was generations ago. And we have to make those decisions. So take time to share from your experiences. And then for the rest of us, make time for your mothers. Not for them, but because you need it. You need it. Two, listen to what they tell you because they have your best interest in mind. No one loves you more. Warts and all, they know your faults and they love you in spite of. It's, an, it's a truly, it's an unconditional love, isn't it? That though you have made mistakes and they are probably intimately familiar with your flaws, they love you no less. And so the advice that they provide for you is out of that. Thank them for the sacrifices that they have made. Because, and, and notice the sacrifices that they've made. And then and finally, thank God for your mother. We have different experiences, each of us, and, and we're at different phases in life. I'll just share mine with you real quickly here. I'll try not to go very long. But my mother is still alive. But she's to a, a, a point in life where mentally she's not as sharp as she was. And because of that, the relationship that I have with her cannot be what it was 10 years ago. My point is, is that you don't know how, what time you'll have with your mother. Take advantage of that time, savor those moments, and God will bless you greatly for those, for those efforts. Be respectful of your mom and treat her with the respect that she deserves. If we can be of assistance to you in any way, we're going to offer a song of invitation. We would ask you to come forward as we will stand and sing the selected song.